Good evening. Welcome to Faith Living Church. My name is Mike Kane. I, I am really loud. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, no, I'm loud, but that's louder than usual. Anyway, how's everybody doing tonight? Did you get that video? How do you like that? Can you identify with that? Let me ask you this. Has that kind of situation ever happened to you where you felt maybe nudged or prompted, but you didn't do anything? How many, how many can raise your hand and say, I can identify with that, but unfortunately, more times than not, I haven't said anything, right? But we're going to continue this series tonight on Called, and I want to tell you that I've been studying this week, and I really I feel called more than ever, I have to tell you. Um, but, you know, that video really convicted me, I have to say, because, like I said, more times than not, I've seen a situation, and we all get preoccupied, right? We all get, we think we're too busy, but do you realize that one moment that young man took he's to step out of his comfort zone, right? It made a difference for eternity. And sometimes we're so fixed on the here and now, you know, it's easy to forget that eternity, for, for many people, is just a heartbeat away. And God wants to use you and me to make a difference here and now in our everyday lives. But before we continue, I just want to say, this is my first chance to say thank you to everybody for their effort in, in VBA this year. I just want to tell you how much, I mean, yes, give yourselves a hand. So I, I think I mentioned at one point it was my 14th year of doing it, and, um, you know, I, I'm amazed. First of all, I can't believe Don can do what he does in a matter of a matter of hours, right, to put together that video. And every time I watch that video, I cry every time because... You know, I do. I love God. I love my brothers and sisters here in Christ. And I love those kids. Don't you love those kids? Oh, yeah. And because so many of you have heard the call, have recognized this call. We're talking about being called. And our, the, the picture up here shows, a, you know, this, this knight in armor. And you can see how he's submitting to the authority. And... and the way I see a call is it's, Pastor Ron, the way he defined it last week was the awareness of a need and the capacity to meet that need. The awareness of a need and the capacity to meet that need. And, and some of you, you know, even in our jobs, even in our, our work, everyday work, we, we sense a certain calling of doing what we do. I mean, you know, I've been with a company, I'm a, with a property management company, and some of the things I do, I definitely feel God has equipped me to handle some of the things. And, and there's a certain, you know, level of calling that I feel in my job that God has equipped me to do my job well. But I think, you know, a lot of you out there, you can, you can maybe identify with this too, that um, you, you feel a certain calling. But what we're really talking about, the highest calling of all, is that sense of a divine purpose, Right? That sense of God that, that he has a plan for our lives. He is calling us. He's called us, as Pastor Ron said last week, out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. But we, we recognize God's call, and as we draw closer to him, we understand the importance, even the seriousness of our commitment to him, our devotion of our life, our character, our virtue, spiritual gifts and abilities to fulfill God's purpose here on earth. And I just want to say, I, I think that I, I thank Pastor Ron for, um, you know, allowing God to use him so many years ago to, to obey the vision I believe God gave him, you know. And, and, but it's not just VBA, it's every day, right? It's every day. We can have VBA every day in our lives where we invite people to join in this mission. Amen? Amen. And you can see that it's not, it's something that you don't wear armor, okay? You don't have a sword if you're just playing games, right? This is serious. It's, it is a battle. It is a battle. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor that we need to have. There is warfare. That's the truth of it. We do have an enemy. And God has called us to equip ourselves with the armor because our enemy, the devil, he fights us whenever we step out in faith, whenever we try and apply God's word, whenever we obey God's Holy Spirit. There's going to be resistance. I think Pastor Ron would tell you that I don't think there's a VBA that's ever occurred where he hasn't felt that resistance, right, to, to, to the effort to, to advancing God's kingdom. So we are called to equip ourselves with the armor of God. But I want to continue the series in uh, Matthew 22, if you could look there with me. Matthew 22 and verse 1. And this is a parable. As you know, Jesus taught in parables. They were simply illustrations to make a point. And this parable was actually the third in a series of parables that began in, in uh, Matthew 21. And they basically, they, the theme was around unbelief. The point that he was making was unbelief. He was rebuking unbelief. So let's look on, on uh, verse 1 with me. Can you see it up there? Everybody can see it? Yes. It says, Jesus also told them other parables. He said, and I just want you to emphasize one thing. This is what Jesus said. These are the words of Jesus. If you have a red-letter Bible, right? Those, those, those words are in red. Okay, so Jesus, this is what he said. He said, verse 2, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. Now, this refers to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You could read about that in Revelation chapter 19 if you're taking notes. Okay? And oftentimes in Scripture, throughout Scripture, the relationship between Christ and the church is compared to a marriage. The church is the bride. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And in this story, there's a king, and the king is God the Father, and there's his son, which is Jesus. And then the kingdom of heaven is the church. In verse 3 it says this. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. There was invitations sent out. Come to the marriage supper. 
Come to this feast. Come to this banquet. And it says, but they all refused to come. Can you imagine? This is the king. This is the king calling. And they refused to come. And this is a picture. This is, again, the third in a series of parables that Jesus taught about the nation of Israel and their rejection of him to rule in their lives, their rejection of him as Messiah. John 1.11 says, he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. They rejected him. They rejected Christ. But they all, all that were invited, they received the invitation, but they refused to come. And it's all talking about unbelief. They refused to believe. They refused to acknowledge the king. They, they, they just refused. They refused to believe him. Verse 4 says this. So he sent other servants to tell them. So he's not, he's not giving up. And this is a picture of God's patience with us. Is it not? God doesn't give up on the first try to reach us. This is a picture of God's patience. He says, so he sent other servants to tell them. The feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. So, and I, and I did some research on this. I learned that one fattened calf could feed a village. He's talking about fattened cattle. We're talking about lots of cattle. Okay? So there was massive preparations made. There was, they were lavish and generous. And he wanted to convince them. He, he said, well, okay, you didn't come on the first invitation. I'm going to tell you how glorious this is by telling you that the bulls, the fattened calf, cattle have been killed. It is a lavish banquet. He was trying to leverage them, give them more of an incentive to attend. Verse 5 says, but the guests he had invited ignored them. Have you ever been ignored? Have you ever been ignored? How many of you send texts? How many of you send emails? Anybody? Have you ever sent a text and you get no response? I mean, you know, I got to say, it, it bugs me. It does. I, I want to see a response. And I understand that you know, nowadays, right, with the phones, I mean, you know, we have them with us and we expect instant, you know, response. But I have to say, being, when you feel, if you don't have enough information because you can't see that person on the other end, but when you are ignored, it makes you feel kind of upset, doesn't it? Kind of angry. It says, but the guests he had invited ignored them. They didn't, even, they didn't even RSVP. They didn't even respond. They said, we're, we're going to pretend it didn't, we didn't even get an invitation. And it says they went their own way. If you, have a, if you mark your Bible, underline that in your Bible. They went their own way. Their own way. One to his farm and another to his business. And that indicates... I did a little research on that. That they had excuses of doing pleasure and business. 
it was they they went to the one went to his farm another went to his business they ignored the invitation they went their own way they were selfish they were selfish and they did not recognize or believe who was giving the invitation verse 6 says this others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them and this was actually this actually was a picture of what the nation of Israel did to the prophets if you want to write another uh, reference down Hebrews 11 I think thir verse 36 and 37 that's the reference here what did they do to some of his prophets you remember they killed they stoned them they were sawed in two think about that for a second they were sawed in two okay they were killed they were jeered it says these were the prophets that God was sending to his children his covenant people to turn repent and trust in him but what did they do with his prophets they they killed them they killed them verse 7 the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town and this is a reference to something that actually this was a, a prophecy of something that was going to occur 40 years from when he made this statement roughly 40 years in the year 70 AD does anybody know any Bible scholars out there know what happened Jerusalem was destroyed was invaded and destroyed there wasn't one stone it says left upon another and it marked the end of Israel as God's covenant people so God's redemptive purpose would be carried out now among the Gentiles verse 8 it says and he said to his servants his servants he said to his servants and how many of you know you and I you and I are his sir are God's servants we if you call yourself a child of God if you call yourself a Christian we are his servants he said to his servants the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor why aren't they worthy of the honor because they did not believe they did not believe verse 9 now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see and that is what God is calling you and me to do go out to the street corners go out to the highways go out to the places of travel that's what the original word meant and he's calling you and me to partner with him to share this good news and it says go to the street corners and invite everyone you see that's the Gentiles now just so we're clear there's only two types of people in the, in the world did you know there's just Jews and Gentiles that's it Jews and Gentiles so it says now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see no restrictions no restrictions invite everyone you see this is what God is calling you and me to do look with me in Acts 20 21 and this verse I actually have on my uh, I don't know what you call it but on my, on my Instagram I actually have Acts 20:21. 20, this is my what I consider my life verse. I, I, 
I've always considered this. This is my favorite verse in, in all the Bible. It says this. It says, this is the Apostle Paul. You talks about somebody that was called, okay? This is his, if you want to put his calling, what he was called to do, in one sentence, this is it. The Apostle Paul says this, I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. And you may say, well, gee, I'm, I'm, I'm Irish, I'm French, I'm Polish, I'm not a Greek. The original word here, it means that all nations that were not Jews. In many versions, it's translated Gentiles. So I have had one message for Jews and Gentiles alike. The option of repenting from sin. Is that what it says? The necessity. What does that mean? It means everyone has to do it. It's, it's an absolute prerequisite. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. That's what his message was. That's what the Apostle Paul, he summed up his life's calling in this verse right here. And that's what you and I are called to do. God calls us servants. In another scripture, it says we are partners in sharing the good news about Jesus. We are partners with God. So the message to both Jews and Gentiles is the same. Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we hear about the fact that... Do you remember when the first time you heard about Jesus? The first time you heard about his love for you? The first time you heard about the cross? I remember it. And I had been in church for most of my life. But I knew God was calling me. And it created, my, the, the Bible says that godly sorrow results in repentance, which results in salvation. My first reaction was, oh, Lord, I am so sorry. When I see the blood, when I, when I, when I was experienced the personal responsibility for what Jesus went through, I, was, I just felt terribly like, I, sorry. That sorrow caused me to turn from those things that, I was, that were, were the reason Jesus went to the cross and surrender. And it says, turning from sin and turning to God. And I, just like Pastor Ron says, repentance is 180 degrees. Going my own way, following sin, 180 degrees, and now I got my eyes on Jesus. That's repentance. And this is the message we are called to proclaim. This is the message. This is the message that we were proclaiming at VBA. Amen? How many kids accepted Christ? How many? 127? Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. And one, at least, at least one adult. Is that right? At least one adult. Let's go back to our, our parable in Matthew. Matthew 22, verse 10. It says this. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. Filled with guests, just like BBA was here. 
was filled with guests. And the servants brought in everyone, and I, I mentioned this scripture, Philippians 1.5, partners, we are partners in spreading the good news about Christ. That's what God has called us to be, partners with him. And it says they could find good and bad alike, but they still needed a savior. You see, in, in God's economy, we all are bad. We all have sinned. We all need, we may think we're better than others. We compare ourselves with others. And some people think they're morally better than others. But the Bible says, good and bad, both, everyone needs God's grace. Everyone needs God's grace. God's grace. Verse 11 says this. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Now think about this for a minute. So his servants, the king's servants, were told to go out to the, the highways, the street corners, the traveling pla the places where people traveled, and invite them to come in. So they weren't, the people that were invited and came, they weren't prepared for a wedding. So the garments, the wedding clothes, were given to them by the king. He gave them the clothes they needed. Because no one, they, they, they didn't get the original invitation. They didn't, but they accepted when, the, when they came out, when the servants came out and invited them. They came. So have you ever been somewhere and you, you said, I'm not dressed. I'm not dressed for someplace. I'm not dressed for this place. I'm not dressed for it. Well, they weren't dressed for a wedding. But the king gave them their wedding clothes. In verse 12, it says this. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. This man's lack of proper clothes indicates he had purposely rejected the king's provision. He wasn't, he wasn't a party crasher because, right, everyone, there was no restriction. Everyone was welcome. He wasn't crashing the party. It wasn't like he was there uh, uninvited. But it says, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes. He had purposely rejected the king's provision. And this is an illustration of those who reject Christ's righteousness and try and establish their own righteousness, think that they're good enough to go to this marriage supper. Look with me in Isaiah 61.10, Old Testament. Listen to what it says. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Old Testament. Amen. The grace of God in the Old Testament right there. He, is, he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. How many of you know it's not our righteousness that gets us into heaven? It's Christ's righteousness. We could never be right enough we could never be good enough. Romans 10.3 says it this, this way. It says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They thought their way was the right way. Remember it said they went their own way? They thought, I'm okay. And they were unwilling 
to humbly admit their need for forgiveness, their need for God's righteousness, their need for God's pardon. They were ashamed to admit their own spiritual poverty. Philippians 3 verse 9 says this, I no longer count on, and this was Paul the Apostle saying this, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Remember what Paul's was called to preach. I've told everyone, Jews and Gentiles alike, the necessity for repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's way of making us right. This is God's way of clothing us so that we are prepared for the marriage supper. And that's the only way you can get an invitation to the marriage supper is by being clothed by Christ's righteousness, not our righteousness. Our righteousness is what? Like filthy rags. Filthy rags. It's never good enough. Never going to be good enough. And not until the day you and I admit our need for Christ and for his forgiveness, where it's like going to a marriage supper without the right clothes. Verse 13 says this. Matthew 22, verse 13 says, Then the king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Remember who's speaking these words. Jesus. Did Jesus ever, could he ever, tell something that wasn't true? I want to take a moment to talk about outer darkness, a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is that a place you and I would want to go to? Outer darkness is the furthest from light that you could possibly be. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, those, that phrase was used no less than five times by Jesus in the Gospels. And, and we don't like to talk about hell. It's not pleasant to think about, is it? And Jesus also referred in those same, in other places when he used weeping and gnashing of teeth that it was a furnace of fire. Now, thank God, thank God for his salvation. Amen? But this is the thing, and this is the point. If you and I are ever going to sense the seriousness of our calling, we have to understand what's at stake. We do. We do. We have to understand the consequences. Pastor Ron talked about it a little bit last week. Are you sure? Your friends, your family, if they were to die right now, are you sure they'd go to be with the Lord? And knowing that there is such a place should motivate us, first and foremost, to pray. Don't you agree? Don't you agree? Because in our own strength, we can do nothing. 
but through Christ. He gives us strength to do everything. Amen? I don't think we understand the importance and urgency of God's calling on us until we grasp that hell is a real place. And I, I, when, I was first, when I first came to the Lord, I remember this so clearly. God waking me up and realizing that. Because I, I, I remember I had, you know, I had done some research about how many people die, like, you know, every minute, every second, every minute, every hour. And I was thinking, I can't bear to think about that. Because, and let me just be clear about this, okay? It's heaven or hell. Okay? Okay? For believers in Christ, born-again believers in Christ, to be absent from the body, to be present from, with the Lord. Amen? But for those who don't know the Lord, weeping, gnashing of teeth, furnace of fire, outer darkness. Those are the words of Jesus. We have been called because the stakes of our mission are high, are they not? The stakes are high. And then the last verse in, the, in that part of the chapter is, verse 14 says this, for many are called, but few are chosen. And that is simply a summary of this illustration, this, this parable that Jesus just explained. That's a summary. And th it, the easiest way for me to, to explain that is really John 3.16. And you all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The message is available to anyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And the Bible says that this message, this gospel, will be preached to all the world. And then the end will come. So everybody will have a chance Everyone will have a chance to hear. Now, the truth of it is, does everybody respond in faith? No, they don't. They don't. And there's a lot of people that are still relying on their good works, their own righteousness, their self-righteousness, instead of Christ's righteousness. That's what that means for many are called, but few are chosen. And how do you know you are chosen? Very simple. Have you accepted God's offer of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? Have you personally accepted it? That's how you know you're chosen. Salvation is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. Right? And we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. That's how you know you're chosen. That's how you know. And, and the Bible says, again, God is not willing that anyone perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will. Look with me, Romans 8, 28. It says this. It says, and we know, everybody say that with me, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. 
Pastor Ron's favorite verse, right? And many of you, it's your favorite verse, I know. But um, actually, the original for our called, it, that sounds like it's a verb. Actually, it's a noun, our the called. And it means those who have been invited to obtain eternal salvation through Christ. And God calls us to salvation because he has a purpose for us. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Verse 29 says this, for God knew his people in advance. That simply means that God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the beginning of the end, to the end, right? He knows everything. He knows those who will, and even in the future, will accept him as Lord and Savior. God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. His choosing us and his intent, his purpose, this, it, it answers the question. So what is God's purpose? God's purpose is for those he chose to become like Jesus. How many of you know that's what God's purpose is for your life, to become like Jesus? So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus was the first to be raised from the dead into spiritual life. I know you're thinking about Lazarus, but no. Jesus, Lazarus, yeah, he was raised back to life, but then he died, okay? Jesus, when he was raised, he'll never die again. So Jesus was the firstborn. He was the first to be raised from the dead into spiritual life. And verse 30 says this. And having chosen them, that's you and me, having chosen them, he called them to come to him. When we hear the gospel, when we hear the good news, Jesus said, come unto me. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So when we, when we recognize the gospel, when we respond in faith, we come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. That's justification. That's a fancy word for simply saying we can stand before a holy God just as if we never sinned because of what Jesus has done. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And that word mean, means the ultimate perfection of believers to become like Christ. And understand that all of this, all of the, the, the work here, who is it done by, you and me? No. It's done by God. It's his desire. It's his will in our lives. So God calls to the whosoever will come. That's what God calls. Then once we come and have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, God calls believers in Jesus to live just the way they want? To live any old way they want. Is that what it says? Let's, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7. What does it say? It says, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Let me ask you, and this is, I'm going to make this fairly simple, okay? A lot of us, when we think of holy, you know, do I have to go to some secluded place and, and, and spend, you know, hours, hours in seclusion 
completely separated from anyone. Did Jesus do that? No, he didn't. He mingled with tax collectors and sinners. In fact, he was, he was rebuked by the religious people. The Pharisees said, you, 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 have, you have supper, you have dinner with, with, don't you know their reputation? And let me ask you a simple question. Who was the holiest person to ever walk the earth? Jesus. So when it says God has called us to live holy lives, it simply means to live like Jesus did. To live like Jesus. That's what it means. And it says not impure lives. So that, that is easy for us to understand. The opposite of impure is pure. So holy means pure, Christ-like in our thoughts, our speech, our actions, our reactions, our motives, our attitudes, the hidden things in our heart. Can I tell you a quick story? My 13-year-old son, Ryan, uh, he loves to fish, right? So I get a text from I'm going to bed last night. It was around 10.30 or something. She, she, she says, and my, my, uh, my sister-in-law is Nancy's sister is here from visiting from Ohio. So they've been spending the whole week, you know, taking the, kid, the younger kids, you know, fishing. And anyway, they took them to Kettletown yesterday. And uh, so when they're at Kettletown, they're about to leave. And look who shows up at WTNH 8, Channel 8 News. Anybody know them? Channel 8 News? And uh, so my son Ryan's there and, and um, his aunt Mary is there. And so they're inter- they interviewed him. And, they, and before, I got to tell you this, before they interviewed him, they said, well, uh, you know, um, it's kind of a slow news day. You know, things are kind of slow. So the, they're almost admitting that they're trying to make a story here, you know. <laughs> oh, the news, the news media would never do that, would they? No, they'd never, they'd never do that. They'd never do that. They'd never do that. So, so anyway, I, I, I don't get... I don't get Channel 8, so I had to watch it on uh, my wife. I don't know. She, she put it on Facebook. So anyway, so they're making this big story about algae in Lake Zor. I mean, I, I grew up around Lake Zor. I mean, Lake Zor, I mean, Lake Zor is beautiful. And you look at it, it looks fine. There's this little, you know, cluster of algae over on the edge, you know, and this was their big story. Oh, well, it's been a rough couple of weeks in, in the, you know, the lakes and the ponds in Connecticut. Algae is this big problem. Fake news. Fake news. There you go. It was. My son had a, listen to this, my son had a part in it. Listen to this. So my son, you know, now he's not shy around the camera. You've got to know Ryan. He's, he's, quite, he's quite a character. He, um, he says, well, he says, uh, the, the reporters are asking him about the algae, he says, Oh, yeah, the algae was, was at least two inches thick. And uh, it smelled like, he says, dog poop. <laughs> and all I can think about is the whole church is going to see this. No, that's my son. Here I am talking about living. God calls us to live a holy life. But I don't know if that's... Uh, that. Let, what does it say? Colossians says, let... Your speech be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so it tastes good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 
So anyway, I just I, I really didn't have much to do with my message. I just want, I thought that was a funny, a funny uh, story. So he's like famous now, you know. He just he's parading it around that he was on uh, he was on the news. But the point is, is that yes, as God works in us, as as we and, and this is the thing, the more how many of you know, the more time we spend with someone, the more we become like them. Isn't it amazing? A couple that's I, I have to say, my wife and I. I mean, we're, sometimes we begin to look like each other. Have you ever noticed that people, as they, am I the only one that sees that? But as they spend time together, they begin to take on the same characteristics, and I don't know, but it's the same way in our relationship with Jesus. And the more time we spend with him, the more we will become like him, and that ultimately will result in a holy life. Verse 8 says this, Therefore, Anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not obeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. It says anyone who refuses to live by these rules, that's all about attitude. And what was the last series? Everybody remember? Attitude determines altitude. Those who refuse to accept Christ as their Savior Oftentimes it is because they don't want to live by his commands, thinking that his commands will hinder their freedom. And how many of you know that God only wants good for us, and he knows us better than we know ourselves? The Lord's commands are for our good, and those that reject God's commands are rejecting his lordship. They're rejecting his, they're not submitting to him as the authority, the ultimate authority in their life. And although sin may be pleasurable for a season, people think they're having fun. Ultimately, there is consequences. Read Galatians 6. You can write that down. You reap what you sow. And it says, and God gives his Holy Spirit to help you. And the Holy Spirit given by God is what will help you and I live a holy life. How many of you can say amen to that? It's being filled. The Bible says be filled. And it means perpetually be being filled. Continually. Why? Because we leak. We need to be filled continually with God's Holy Spirit. It's available to us, every believer. It's available to every believer. God's Holy Spirit is there to help us live a holy life. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, not because we're so good, not because anything we've done, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. It was his will. It's his desire. It's what he chooses to do. To show his grace through Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever regretted anything that you did in the name of the Lord? Have you ever regretted anything for, for, for his sake, for his glory? Things, For example, have you ever regretted an hour you spent at VBA? Have you ever regretted 10 minutes you spent in prayer? You will never regret any effort, any, anything when it is given 
for the glory of God. But I can tell you this, the only regrets I've had are things that I haven't done. Remember the video? I've had plenty of those opportunities that I, I, I just ignored. I just passed by. And it's because we are, we are, it's not because we, it says, not because we deserve it. God calls us and saves us, saves us and calls us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it. It's his grace, his unmerited favor. Because it was his plan. He does the work. God does all the work. Look with me at 1 Peter 1, verse 14. It says this. So you may... So you must live as God's obedient children. How many of you ever seen disobedient children? Have you ever been in a place, a public place, where there's been disobedient kids? How does it make you feel for the parent? Uncomfortable. Yes, it does. But it says you must live as obedient children. And isn't an obedient child, isn't that a beautiful thing? It is. It is. It says don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. We talked about the battle that we're in. We talked about our enemy. What do you think the enemy tries to get us to do? Slip back. you got plenty of time. You've got plenty of time. Go have some fun. The stakes aren't that high. Is it possible to slip back? Yes. And you did it because you didn't know any better then. We've all, we all had that time before we knew the Lord where we were, you know, we were, we were in darkness. But the Bible says God calls us out of darkness, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those times of ignorance have been forgiven, thank God. But don't slip back. It's possible. Don't do it. Don't do it. You are called to love and serve God. And you have an enemy. Equip yourself in the armor. And verse 15 says this, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. It says, but now because we are new creatures, how many of you know, for as many as, um, how's it, what is it, Ephesians 2.8? No, I can't think of it right now. Um, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You must be holy in now because that's happened, because you've been forgiven, you've repented, and you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord. Now there was a change. Something happened, and you must be holy in everything you do. No deception, no hidden agenda, no ulterior motives. How many of you know God judges the thoughts and intents of our heart? Right? It was a script, Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord my God. And we bring him glory or honor by being like him. Because he's holy, it says. 
We need to be holy. Look with me in Galatians 5.13. It says this, For you have been called to live in freedom. We are no longer slaves to sin. Sin's guilt and power have been defeated at the cross. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He has set us free from the bondage of sin. We no longer have to sin. We have been set free. Jesus paid the ransom with his blood for our salvation and forgiveness. And it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. You say, Hallelujah, we can live just the way we want. We can do whatever we want. It is not, my friends, license to sin. Romans 6, 1, and John Summers and I had the privilege of baptizing a young lady this past Wednesday. Right, John? Before she went back to college. And before I baptized her, I, I read Romans 6, 1. I read the first half of that chapter, Romans chapter 6. It says, should we keep on sinning? Of course not, since we have died to sin. How can we continue to live in it? I said, water baptism is, is this grand object lesson. Okay? How many of you have been water baptized? Okay, it says that we, when we're baptized, when we go, it's as if we die with Christ. And our old sinful nature dies. We go under the water. It's buried. Amen? Amen? Just like Jesus was buried. Our old sinful nature dies. And then we come up as new creatures in Christ, just like Jesus rose from the dead. So it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Understand this. As long as you're breathing, you will always have a temptation. There will always be a possibility Somebody gave me this analogy one time. It's as if there's two dogs within us, and they're in this dog fight. Okay, Romans seven. Look, look. You can write that down. Romans seven. And whoever wins is the one you feed the most. We have this spiritual man, and we have the carnal man, the carnal dog, and the spiritual dog, if you will. And whatever wins the battle is the one you feed the most. That's why I shared with with this um, young lady, I said, it's so important as you go away to college that you find other believers to fellowship with, that you find, you find a place where you can grow and you can be encouraged in the faith. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. And the original language there, it's not just a servant. It, it actually says this. It says, you were called to freedom, so use your freedom by becoming slaves, slaves to each other in love. And it says, 
We serve one another in love, not out of duty, but out of love for our brother or sister in Christ. How can we serve one another in love? How can we do that? Let me just give you a few examples, okay? Care ministry, prayer ministry, coffee ministry, altar ministries, ushers, greeters, junior super church, super church. Let me keep going. Life groups, recovery, mops, VBA, music and sound, nursery, young adults. Are you in a ministry? How many of you are in a ministry? Some kind of ministry. One ministry. Would to God everybody's hand was up. Because that's where you can fulfill this scripture. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. And if you, if you want, are you interested? I, I am certain there are um, first serve, first serve forms back there. And if you're interested in any ministry, talk to me, talk to someone at the connections desk after the service. A couple more scriptures. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says this. God has given each of you a gift. How many of you know you have a gift? How many of you know you, you have a gift? And I think what makes me cry most when I see that VBA recap video every year is it is like this, can this beautiful tapestry of all these gifts being used towards this one purpose. Isn't, isn't that, that's what I see. I see Pastor Joe out there. I see, thank you to all the outdoor monitors. Thank you to all the indoor monitors. Amen. You know, I see everybody using these gifts, these great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Let me ask you a question. Why is it so important that the church serve one another in love? Why do you think that is so important? What did Jesus say was going to be the, the thing that made other people say, those people, that's right, are love for one another. Those people follow the Lord. Those people are God's people. Jesus said, what did he say? He said, you'll know them by their love for one another. And serving one another is the very essence of loving one another. That's why it's so important to serve one another. Romans 12, 6 says this. In his grace, it's in God's grace, his enabling ability. God's grace, his unmerited favor. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Everybody in here, don't think you don't have a gift. Everybody has a gift. And he's given you an ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And the, the original word here? It simply means speaking forth or public proclamation of the word of God. It doesn't necessarily mean to be prophetic about future events. It's speaking publicly the word of God. It says, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. Pastor Ron is, is an awesome teacher. Would you not agree? He has the ability and he is using it. He, I've never heard anyone that can teach, honestly. And I, I mean that. He has that ability to teach the word of God in a way that you can practically understand and apply to your life, right? So if you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And thank God my wife is an encourager. God knew I needed a wife that was an encourager. 
My wife's an encourager, thank God. If it is giving, give generously. And some of you gave so much. Not just finances, but time, energy, even your emotions. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do it gladly. So these are the things that God, God calls us. His call goes out to the whosoever will. Right? And he calls us to live a holy life. That is, his expectation, his, his uh, desire for us is that we become like Jesus with each passing day to become more and more like Jesus. And, that, and he also calls us to freedom to, to live for ourselves? No. To, live, to follow our sinful desires? No. Freedom to serve one another in love. I asked John Summers that just before the service, I said we had a, um, there was a, a, a test. I think we had some packets back there at one time. A spiritual gifts test, okay? I don't think there are there now, but I'm going to ask you, if you're interested in taking the test, send me an email to lifegroups at faithlivingchurch.com, okay? And I'll send that back to you because I believe it's important for you to recognize what your gifts are. But John said, and he's right, you know, you don't even have to figure, you don't have to find out exactly what you just, we, that's why we have the first serve, that's why we have the first serve. And God has called us to these things. Why? Because the stakes are high, are they not? The stakes are high. It's either, either heaven or hell. And I don't know about you, but the closer I get to God and the more I draw near to him, the more I have a sense of doing whatever I can to invite as many as I can to follow Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray together. So, Father, we just love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And, God, you have called us. You called us out of darkness. Some of us were in such a dark place. We were ignorant. We didn't know better. But, Lord, you sent messengers. You sent servants to invite us. I can remember the ones that you sent to me. I can remember. And you said, your word does not return void. Thank you for saving us, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us, Lord. And thank you for calling us to be partners with you and sharing the good news. That's what you've called us to do. And I pray that everyone here, each one of us, would understand the stakes would understand the importance of being called and, and what you have called us to do. Not to live for ourselves anymore, but to serve one another in love. And just like we saw in the video, being, being sensitive to your Holy Spirit and those promptings and those nudgings so that we, are, we step out of our comfort zone. We're willing to do that. We, and that's simply step, that's living by faith. That's stepping out in faith. And, and I pray for each of my brothers and sisters here. Give them that courage. Give them the boldness. Fill them, Lord, to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Lord, let revival come to us. Let it start in me. And we all pray that, Lord.
as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'd just like everybody to reaffirm their faith in Christ with me. And you may be here, and you may not be sure about your eternal destiny. You may not be sure. So I am inviting you as we pray together, a simple prayer. I am asking you, maybe for the very first time, you'll pray this prayer and invite Jesus in. It's by his grace, through faith in him, not by our righteousness. And the Bible says, to as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God. So let's pray together now, reaffirming our faith. Heavenly Father, I know that you love me. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ, your son, to die for me on the cross. I am sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I receive him into my life as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to help me to turn from all sin and trust in you. Help me, Lord, to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, I believe... God is moving, don't you? I believe God is moving. I can feel it in my heart. I want to encourage you, stop back at the Connections desk. If you're new, if, if this is your first time, to welcome to Faith Living Church. We have a gift for you back there. If you would like prayer, we're going we're gonna to have some folks up here to pray with you. Oh, the connection card. Hang on, the connection card. Sorry. Where's the connection card? I forgot. Here it is. This is your challenge. It says, get out of your comfort zone and look for opportunities this week to serve one another in love. Go out of your comfort zone. Ask God to lead you by his Holy Spirit. There are opportunities like we saw in that video every single day if we look for them. Amen? God bless you. Greet somebody. Tell them you, I'm going to serve you out of love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.